Hello, you're listening to the Consequential Podcast. Uh, I'm Dave Convery. With me, Roger Hart. Did I tell you about the turnips? Shut up, Lucy boys. <laughs> I apologise in advance. These two have eaten a lot of sugar. They are hyperactive. We will strive to bring you an educational, informative and entertaining podcast. But to be honest, there's going to be a load of bullshit about weird curry as well. I, I am sorry. Do you say weed curry? Weird. Okay, curry. now we're talking about my interests. Yeah, because I think would that work? Because there's a slight oregano-ish note. I think yeah, of course it would work. The curry would overpower it. You could simmer yeah. it in the ghee to begin yes, with. Yeah, to you get could make, you could make like green ghee. Yeah. This is a podcast about comics. In case anyone was wondering, it is not a, a podcast about drugs curry. Although, <laughs> although curry. The, the the theme this week is going to be crime. So. We've already picked one of our favourite crimes. Uh, more on that later. Uh, Lucy, what have you been reading? Well, I'd like to start off by saying I saw a crime maybe being done on the way here, so if that qualifies me extra for the subject, then that's... Yes, it did. Know, I you, so. you saw a man being... I saw a man possibly being assaulted by another man, and so I told a policeman. You, which, did, you did the right thing. Well, it seems like a sort of... It seems like a scenario that might happen in a book for kids about how to navigate sort of difficult situations. I mean, I've never been in a position where there's been a policeman when I've seen a crime. No, that's a bit... It's almost too convenient. Oh, fuck. They did look vaguely... No. No, he looked completely different. He was just a different man. Did you get lost and end up in the good old days? I might have done. If the good old days are in Arbury. No. No, there's the the bad old days at best and the bad now days at worst. Pretty much. I want to walk through Arbury wearing a tux, that was frightening. I definitely had a one-night stand in Arbury once. Yeah. Was, yeah. was that a crime? It wasn't a crime. Okay, none Although of these things are crimes. A cat saw me having sex, and then the cat was killed later, so the only cat that's ever seen me having sex is now dead. And I will make it my mission to kill any future <laughs> cats. Um, that? Crimes. No uh, cats, no. they fucking live. Exactly, we're talking about <clears throat> crimes, folks. Serious crimes. What um, what comics have you been reading? I've read a lot of comics. Good. I've, I've, tell I've us tell more us comics about them. than usual. Tell us about them. I read um, volumes three and four of Fatal, which I really enjoyed. Um, Ooh, I haven't read four. I had to take off my. I, I thought three was stronger than four. Three was the so kind of short stories. Short right? stories, yeah. And four, the sort of some of the trappings of the setting are a bit gimmicky, but and it's it's all a bit sort of. It's a bit weird and it felt like a bit of a step back plot-wise and maybe something of a cop-out, but that doesn't I, mean I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I thought the same. It felt a little bit like treading water. So, yeah. just, just so for, we, we need another volume. Four. Four. So no, for three the, was great. Three was brilliant. There the, were fucking Nazi monsters. I'm mm. well up for that. Is that spoilers? There were Not Nazi really. monsters. There's always Nazi though. monsters. Oh, that's true. Um, but for, for, the, for the sake of uh, filling people in on this, um, Fatal is about a woman who's basically cursed to act like a film noir femme fatale and it's slowly moving forward from sort of the 1940s to the present day. The most recent one was set in the sort of grunge era. And yeah, it feels like a bit of a cop-out because there's a sort of lost memory plot which never works well. No, it's not a good device. It's like, it's like the body swap episode of any long-running genre show. Yeah. It's when you know they've grown out of ideas. Um, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was a case of, you know, we've, we've spent three volumes getting you to a certain point and a... Deus Ex Machina style event has meant you're going back to the start and processing that. And while that's vaguely interesting, it didn't really do anything. It's also ending reasonably soon, which means that it, it sort of feels like there's more you could do, and it, it doesn't mm. feel like a big step forward in terms of the plot. But that doesn't. That doesn't mean I won't read five. <clears throat> Are they going for six volumes? I think five or six. Yeah. Hmm. Um, how are the gender politics holding up? I had to take off my caring about gender politics hat in order to enjoy it, but once I did that, I really enjoyed it. It has broadly the same gender politics issues that the whole series has, but that didn't mean that if I pretended I didn't care about that, that I couldn't still enjoy it. So folks, if you're at all, you know, up on gender politics and, you know, you think that maybe there's a crazy theory out there that men and women just aren't really that different and should probably have, you know, equal rights and representation in society, I would urge you to put those things aside while you're reading Fatal. Because at first glance, certainly in the first volume, it looks a bit like it might be doing something interesting with it by subverting the perspective of the of the femme fatale but it actually kind of isn't it's still it's playing of, into all of those tropes it's, 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 it's playing yeah. way harder than it looks like it might do yeah 
But I mean, I, it sounds like I'm slating it, but I'm not. I, I got a lot of entertainment and enjoyment value mm. out of reading those comics, and I would recommend them to other humans and have done so. Just don't, you know, give a shit about women while you're reading them. Um, but to be honest, most of comics fandom isn't going to have that problem. Nah. It's, it's, been, <clears throat> it's not been particularly good for the last couple of weeks. Um, we don't really try and do anything to keep this relevant to the time we're recording it, so... I think we can just say that it's not been great for the last couple of weeks and that is going to apply for at least the next five years. Yeah, pretty much. So I read some more comics on the theme. I read um, volumes one and two of Parker, which I very much enjoyed. The Mm. art style was lovely. Um, I've been told it's a very good way of getting, you know, large stretches of narrative fiction into comics. I've got no... I don't know if that's true, but I could believe it. Well, I mean, the, the, the books themselves are very straightforward mm. pulp and the adaptations are really not like there's the brilliant mm. the very the, the first one opens with a sort of 17 or 18 page completely wordless section which is I really well done it's actually not completely wordless but it's so close as makes no odds it's very yeah very very nearly so that was the bit that I struggled the most with mm. I am a word driven person as those mm. of you who know me will know and I what was that thing that you lent me um big yellow book Muppets, yeah. Tale of Sand. Tale of Sand. Jim Henson's, like, trippiest balls, giant bath book. Big yellow Muppets book, you know, (laughs) the one I'm talking about. It's Um, written by Jim Henson. It's based on a screenplay by Jim Henson. So, yeah, so I I thought that was a beautiful thing, but really struggled with it, because I just don't process narrative when it's all spelled out visually. It doesn't flow properly into my brain, and I had the same thing with Parker. With that bit of Parker. Sometimes I don't even look at the panels properly. I have to go back and make myself look at the pictures. Yeah, it's it's a very short reading exercise for me, which means I'm sort of only really half in the game at any one time. But no, Parker was great. Um, It was surprisingly violent and sort of barefacedly violent given the rest of the tone but I assume that's coming from the books he's not even an anti-hero he's an absolute arse yeah he's just a dick yeah um, and he yeah gets fucked over and fucks over in equal measure he doesn't discriminate but it was it it's was like Sin City but not shit basically it was fun in a let's romanticise some horrible crimes kind of way yeah actually not all of I, Sin City is shit sorry no 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 you know, I'd rather crimes didn't happen to people, but they do, and it's fun to pretend it's the olden days and have a laugh. That is gonna. That that's probably going to be the driving notion behind the rest of this episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, I also read Black Sad, mm. which was great. Isn't it beautiful? Yes, it is beautiful. Oh, and God, the colouring, the light, the lighting. Yes. Dude pays so much attention to light. Yeah, I yes. think. Um, so I just lent you the fourth volume as well, which is, the I think, the first one in the UK that's come with the essays mm. that the individual volumes have had. And it sort of goes into the... It's, I mean, it's about as long again as the main story, just about the colour process and the design. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly in-depth. The sheer amount of work that goes into it is terrifying. This mm-hmm. one's quite surreal in place as well. Do you read like, the first three and then the fourth, or just the first three? Just or? the first three, I think. The, the ones that are in the big book. In the big, the big book of Black Sad. The big book of Black Sad. The first three, I think, are sort of slightly more traditional, traditional sort of noir-esque ones. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm going to use noir and pulp almost interchangeably. For anyone who cares about this sort of thing, you might as well bail now. Slash go suck a dick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's where they're bailing to. Yeah. To the magical, under, un, the magical undersea cave full of dicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you can suck all day long and never be unhappy. Yeah. I think I want to go there now. It's like Mostly because of never being unhappy, not the dick sucking. I mean, I can take or leave it. It's dicks. Can I come too? I'm here for the dicks. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but this... Um, I mean, I, I want to double-check on Google Maps, but I don't think there is a cave of dicks. Hey, there's a lot of stuff in the fucking Mariana Trench that we don't know about. Yeah, this is true. But it's, mostly, Just, it's mostly Cthulhu. Nah. Those, those would be. Those would be. I mean, this is. He might do. Those would be some heavily pressurised dicks. That's true. Um, surviving on sulphurous vents, or. I'll take the submersible. Jim Cameron's yeah, dick sucking sock. Yeah, really very potent <laughs> submersible. It's got some terrifying uh, nose art on, painted on it. It really does. It's just Jim Cameron. He's like the happy eater sign, but. <laughs> 
Oh, it's, it's, it's gone. Seriously, that's the line. That's the line, Jim Cameron. <laughs> it's gone astray. So, um, I, if I had to pick one of the three Black Sad stories that I enjoyed the most, it's probably the fucking last one. The sorry, another really coherent. So it's what it's classic noir racism. Classic and then noir the racism, and then there's the fucking communism, Oppenheimer, yes. communism, yes. McCarthyism thing. And I really liked that, but that's you know that's a time in history that interests me anyway. And to see it played out with those characters was fascinating. It it's also spent slightly longer with the female lead in that one as mm-hmm. well. Um, She's cute. It felt a little bit more. Um, fleshed out for the other characters mm-hmm. so I mean they're very short stories they haven't had time to do a lot of that so even sort of um, the weekly the main sidekick is not particularly fleshed out mm-hmm. but they're just really really wonderful books mm-hmm. I think my favourite remains the first volume it's to, because I I do have a massive bono for noir um, I enjoy it tremendously I tend to enjoy it when it's it's kind of winking at the camera a bit or doing something a bit funny it's the one that's, it's the one that's closest to pure film noir mm. I mean, my, I mean, my, my favourite piece of noir, probably, you know, the, the purists will, will shit out a vertebra at this, is it actually probably still Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, but It's a little bit meta. That's, that's how I nice. like it. Mm. This is true. But, yeah, um, plenty of the original stuff is absolutely great. Does, does In a Lonely Place count as, count as noir? I also don't know. Anyway, because that's gorgeous. So I also read some stuff that was not related to the theme of the podcast. Well well, thanks. Um, I read the first volume of Transmetropolitan. Mm. Yay! Um, it was great. What else it's can I say about it? Thompson with drugs. Yeah. More drugs. Less More drugs. Actually, less drugs. Less drugs. And yeah. a gun that makes you shit yourself. And a gun that makes you shit yourself. Loose. And I finally knew where fucking... Watery. Tim's um, Twitter picture came from. Yes. Which was nice. Yes. That was a nice thing to join up from my world to the other world. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Tim is, he does good comics at yeshiveoverlord.com. Mm. I also read something called Zombo, which is 2000 AD, and was my first experience of 2000 AD. Uh, I think Zombo is probably a good one. Um, it's written by Al Ewing, who also did Loki, Agent of Asgard. Okay. Sex Loki, as we're calling okay. it. Um, so Zombo, Sex is, Zombo is a very, very good... Um, way of straddling old school 2000 AD where every story was sort of three pages a week and so really disjointed and really anarchic and full of weird humour mm. and the more modern stuff whereby they kind of look to the trade a little bit more and they sort of assume that people will remember the story a bit more there's less recapping and mm-hmm. Zombo sort of sits somewhere between the two and um, is just really funny in a sort of very bawdy mm-hmm. schoolboy almost Beano-like way yeah it's absurdly funny um, yeah. I so I knew that it was going to be so having only no my only knowledge of 2000 AD is from talking to you guys basically I knew it was going to be weird and anarchic I didn't realise it was going to be funny and that kind of made it for me yeah um, not, so, I mean Zombo's explicit comedy not all of them are most of them have a fairly subversive streak of humour to them mm. Um, but yeah, Zombo is just ridiculous. Um, what just, is it? What is it? That's a good question. Um, a bunch of people in a sort of futuristic type setting are on a spaceship which crash lands onto a death planet. So there are a bunch of planets which have identified as being just inherently murderous, like the flora and the fauna and a bunch of stuff wants to kill you. And on board is a secret project known as Zombo, which is a sort of zombie-ish monster that is meant to revert the wrongs of what was originally done to try and make these planets less deadly by destroying the thing that they put on the death planets to stop the death planets killing in the first place which has turned out to be murderous in and of itself and there are a bunch of Robbie Williams references as well for some reason yeah and and X Factor so stuff like that oh he ends up in in the middle of a talent show with sort of the zombie or a, a, the rat pack pursuing them rapidly becoming zombies as as they go and it's really odd there's a cyborg there's a cyborg Simon Cowell with a massive ungainly computerized head and there's no subtle social commentary here it's all just fucking ridiculous um, but it's fun it's a lot of fun it was a lot of fun. 
I also read the first couple of um, singles of the Umbrella Academy because, well... Oh, that's supposed to be good. I didn't finish the trade, but I got sort of part way through the trade, so I sort of, you know, read the first few singles. It's um, one of those things I've heard is good, and I can't get past the fact that it's written by Jared Way. I don't... So for me, the fact that it's written by Jared Way isn't a bad thing in and of itself, because, you know, I spent a lot of time as a teenager listening to his music and, you know, emoting hard. I don't think um, he was alive when I was a teenager. Yeah, you're pretty old. Yeah. Um... Lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Oh, those guys. That guy. Yeah, okay. And it was. I, I'll oh, probably. Right, that's right. It's him and. No, I always get him mixed up with this other. Never mind. They're all just fringes to you, really, aren't they? They're just hair, potential hairstyles. It's it's him writing and it's um, Gabrielle Barr doing the illustration. Oh, okay. Mm. Which is. I don't know, I mean, it, it was interesting enough, but it didn't massively. It, there was nothing wrong with it, but it was sort of broadly bobbins, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, it wasn't shit by any stretch of the imagination. It didn't It didn't pay off the way I'd been told it would pay off, but I only read the first mm. three or four issues, so... I okay. think you might... I think it might pay off at the end. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That's often traditional. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, at one point, you know, fucking zombie Gustav Eiffel makes the Eiffel Tower launch into the sky because it's secretly a spaceship, which is quite fun. That's always good. I mean, that's a bit better it's than... very me. anime. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically very Steam Boy. Uh, does that happen? Yes. Or it's the Crystal Palace. It's the Crystal Palace. Yeah. It's the Crystal Palace. Basically, monuments taking off into space is a thing we've seen before. As a, as a quick like aside, it. Steam Boy's kind of rubbish, isn't it? I really tried to like yeah, it, but it's kind it's, of it's shit. It's got a lot of good stuff going on in it, but it just doesn't add up. It's it's less than the sum of its of its its gubbins. Yeah, and inexplicable. We're going to be saying gubbins a lot. We're going to be saying gubbins a lot. This is basically taunting. Also, uh, American listeners, sorry, but bobbins means rubbish. It's not like some subset of gubbins. No, it, but, but rubbish in a kind of charming, sort of slightly goofy way. But rubbish also means shit or crap, and also garbage. I mean, rubbish yeah. is also not a word they're probably going to be using, is it? Isn't language rich? Isn't it? I'm impressed. It's positively cromulent. Huh, what have you been reading? I have one more! <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You, you do, but... I do, but it's fucking... I'm trying to skip past it. Bullshit. For your own sake. What are you... What's the... I read the first Mass Effect comic. Uh, really? I did. Is it Probably shit? impressed. The writing's good because it's written by the people who wrote the game and the art's fucking generic and terrible. Mm. So... Yeah, that's, that's kind that's, of what I thought would that's happen. That's what that is. Is there, is there any I reason... I those games almost uncritically. Is there any reason to read it if you're not a fan of the games? No. Okay. If you are a fan of the games, there still might not be enough reason to read it. I mean, this it it fills in... You know, there's the whole Mass Effect chronology of where the different media fits into the story. There's a big, yeah. nice, long list on fucking Wikipedia about this. But, um, yeah, if you really care about what Liara and Farron did to get Shepard's... Blah, spoilers... Back from the for, ma- for Mass Effect 2. Hey, I spent the whole time playing it trying desperately not to be spoiled at every turn. People are coming late to these games and loving yeah. them. Mm-hmm. It's just you. It's just you. Hannah Berry, too. Hannah Berry, queen of Brighton Comics and being awesome. We do like Hannah Berry. Right. Oh, we'll probably be talking about Britain and Brew likely later as well. Which is the one that I failed to read. Sorry, oh. Hannah. Oh. Did you. I've asked you this before. Did, did you buy it or is that my copy? I bought it. It's not your copy. Which fucker has my Britain and Brew Lally? If, you, if you're listening and you're that fucker, can I have it back, please? Yeah, if you've got any of my stuff, return it as well. I've got all of you your know stuff, you I'm are. sorry. No, not you. I think Giles has all my comics. Hello, Giles. Is that a shout-out? I don't know. I don't, or is I don't, it a threat? I, I don't think he listens. Do, do he, we need to shout-out to the third Wilkinson Lewis since we've given both Tim and Giles airtime so far? <laughs> Ollie apparently now makes weird electronic music. He does. He has a band called uh, Now Let's Style Our Hair in Accordance with the Socialist Lifestyle. That's a brilliant name <laughs> for a band. I have been hoping someone would use that for a long time. There you go. Shall we, shall we, shall we put them in the show notes? Yes, of course. Let's just, All of them. Let's just dedicate this entire show to the Wilkinson Lewis family. <laughs> They've got good dogs. They do have good dogs. Although the one that got face cancer died. Oh, oh, God, of face, face no, cancer or no, something it, else? Oh, old age, I think. The, the face cancer got cured and then... Oh. It was, they can it cure was, dog face cancer It was perilously now. close to a literal my dog's got no nose joke, though. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. 
My uncle had face cancer. Well, really? great uncle, yeah, he died from that. Presumably not the migratory kind that Tasmanian devils get. No, he's also not a dog. <laughs> or a Tasmanian devil. No. Alcoholic, maybe. Fan of westerns, definitely. Uh, well, I Possessor westerns. of a white plastic Christmas tree. Roger's watched yes. a lot of westerns, and I was very surprised by that. I've watched a few. Has he he read a lot of westerns. No. no. That's what Uncle Cliff used to do. Go down the pub Mondays, get your booze on, come back, read westerns. Pull out a copy of Louis L'Amour and uh, just crack on just with that enjoy. shit. Just enjoy. I really hope my family aren't listening to this. It's very annoying. Just some lonesome dove. Mm. Could have done that. I don't know any other western books. Oh, this. True Grit, Charles Porter. Mm. That's it. That is the limit of my knowledge. I mean, I've seen some Westerns, but I can't remember any of the titles. There's a thing I have to keep asking you what the films are called. They're all called Cowboys and Stuff. Mm. It's that one where Clint Eastwood does that thing and he may or may not be a ghost. So we've got the flow chart. This is a whole genre of Westerns, Is Clint Eastwood probably a ghost? Yeah, Yeah. it is a whole genre. That's a thing? I feel that we've got sidetracked. Possibly. I'm done with my drawings. You're done. Thank you for your time. Mr. Hart, you've been in Italy, but you still found the time. I've not been reading reading much. I've I've mostly been sort of saying weird things to your boyfriend and not talking to other humans. Yeah, I've mostly been fluttering around Italy and having a nice time. Picked um, up some Valpolicella. Which is what? Which is, is what you're is drinking. That the wine we're drinking. What you're drinking, Mr. Christ, that wasn't even meant to be a segue. I just literally you, don't know what the words you use are. What, what do you think of it? It's it's a nice wine. It's light. It's fresh. Mm. Um, it's probably not the entire reason we're talking nonsense. I noticed I noticed something a bit funny about all the vineyards in that area, though, which is that they don't tend to have rose bushes at the end of the rows. What what are you, what are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? Literally, what the fuck are you talking about? Some kind of symbiosis about? of plants. No, no, no. Of... It's it's, a, it's it's mostly it's mostly traditional or aesthetic these days, but um, old French and therefore quite a lot of American because they want the best places to pick in Australia as well. Um, Vineyards tend to plant rose bushes at the ends of the rows of vines because um, the roses are susceptible to the same parasites, particularly fungal infections, but tend to get them earlier. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's a sort of bellwether for mm-hmm. vine infestation, and also it looks cool. But yeah, I noticed that there's a lot of new planting around, sort of round Verona way, and um, oh, down in old Verona. <clears throat> and I noticed, I noticed that they just didn't seem to be having the um, the vineyard, the the, um, the rose bushes around uh, along alongside the vines. I assume this is because they don't really need them because they use a lot of pesticides, but. Uh, Anyway, sorry, yes, picked up some quite nice... It's, I mean, Valpolicella is, it gets a bad name for being a kind of shitty table wine. Um, and the, uh, the Amarone and the um, Ripasso are, are fucking fantastic. But if, if you can pick up a good example, and this was only about six euros. Um, it was down from nine or something, but a little, little wine shop on the, in, um, the, uh, as you head towards the train station in Verona. But yeah, very, very pleasant. It's kind of got this light Beaujolais kind of fruit thing going on. Consequential podcast, all comics, all the time. Sorry, what was the question? Well, it was something to do with wine and turnips. <laughs> something just wine and turnips. Uh, I, can or... reca- I can recap the turnip thing if you like. No, don't. Don't. <laughs> okay. What comics have you read? Sorry, um, because I've been asking about in Italy, I've not read very much. Um, I have been re- I've read some Parker, um, Thief of Thieves, which I think is Kirkman. Yeah, I didn't. I only read the first issue, but I didn't really... Didn't, didn't go for it. Get um, on with it at all. Um, Black Sad fourth volume um, just finished reading Sex Criminals which is kind of accidentally on topic so finally uh, finally you've caught up and what else I haven't caught up there was something else how much have you read please don't spoil me Uh, up to three or four can't remember which by that point it would be quite hard to spoil just because you already know that they're like in the middle of being busted for a robbery and it doesn't really explain massively more there's still some fucking fantastic stuff in the last the last couple of issues. Oh god! Oh, I'm going to read them. I just haven't yeah. yet. The details kill me. So it's, 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 it's so many things at once in in so little space. It's a screw all sex comedy. Yeah. It's it's a sex positive tract about how to live in touch with your own desires and express them and talk about them. And it's it's a comic that foregrounds a relationship where two people healthily and positively talk about their sex lives. That's and other stuff later on as well, hmm. which I wasn't expecting. Um, it's an angry rant about the medicalization of psychiatric normalcy, which is something I feel quite strongly about. Um, but the, the particular, did, did you get to that bit? I don't think so. Maybe. Well, there was. I, I don't know that it was necessarily that angry. I think there was a stigmatization as well. Um, so I, I think the comic doesn't doesn't come out and hop up and down yelling this is fucking terrible we've set this bar for normal and we prescribe against it and so you know the kind of the political you get a lot of railing against the what am I trying to say the political reading of the DSM 
Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of, there's a riff almost on that played out through someone that has been through the pathologization of their own behaviors and been inappropriately, I would argue, medicated for them. Um, yes. Um, and one of the disorders it talks about is basically being a normal person, but authority doesn't like it. Which has historically been the problem with punitive psychiatry, which, you know, was going on openly yeah. and state-sanctionedly until, what, the fucking 80s, 90s? Well, I would argue it still uh, It, it, it continues, still, but in a covert particularly form. In, but particularly in childhood. Um, do you follow Erin Kassain on Twitter? I don't. I probably um, should. She gives fantastic Twitter, but she occasionally writes about this. Um, kind of psychiatric normalcy in childhood and normal compliance. Basically, extreme compliance is viewed by the medical establishment in childhood as normal. And there is some degree of medicated enforcement for this. And there's, there's a little bit of stuff around that in Seth Criminals that I wasn't expecting. And it's not, it's not hand-fisted. It's not aggressive. It just pops up as character backstory. And it's quite well done. Yes. I think it's going to be... It looks to be like the main thrust of the second... I don't want to say thrust in this context, but it looks, it looks to be a large amount of it in the second volume. And then there's all of this wonderful detail stuff. Like I think I think it's mostly Z- Zed- is it Zadarsky or Zadarsky or what do you do sure, with Zadarsky? It's a made up name anyway. So yeah, but how many of the consonants Zadarsky? I think. Anyway, that dude, the dude that talks to Applebee's on Facebook. That dude. That um, dude. I, th- I think I would like him. I think you would. I mean, I, I picked up a signed copy, which uh, I was quite pleased with until I realised that he had touched it, and then I worried a bit. Um, it's yeah, okay. I might. the diseases you've got, you won't know about for years. I might. I might wipe mine. Yeah. I mean, it did come in, in plastic wrap, but no, so it's, it's full of tiny little details in the panels where you've, you've seen this as mm-hmm. well. Um, but the inside cum world, the, uh, the sex shop, yeah. it, whenever, they, whenever he gets to draw that, there's just wonderful little bits and pieces. Was it those, oh, the, the one that just had me howling with laughter was um, a sex toy in a box on a rack low down. It's, it's just, it's hemispherical, it's a half a tit. And then in small letters, why not? Question mark. <laughs> just something about that just absolutely hit me. It, yeah. It's glorious. It's it's there's loads there's loads and loads and loads of stuff like that. It's really good. So it, it's it's sex positive. It's a screwball caper. It's got a little bit of mystery to it. It's got a little bit of anger at the broken politicization of the psychiatric establishment. Uh, it's got porn in the woods. It's it's also a love a love a love letter to libraries. Mm. There's, there's all of that stuff about the power of access to information. There's, they're, they're wrapping a lot up in a in a you know sex package. Body sex yeah. romp. Yeah. I think as a, so. One thing it's that a, I would it's, say it's is it's that tumescent and straining with semiotics. Mm. Yeah. Turnips. <laughs> <laughs> so I think any anyone who likes the trade should think about buying the single issues just because the back matter material is brilliant we talked about the um, the letters page before oh god yeah that's when we accidentally did talked about the porn in the woods yeah but and then then there was the we exited half an hour we accidentally released the yogic butt shaving podcast yes that was that one yeah Um, yes the letters letters pages are brilliant and also there was some stuff in the last issue which sort of the uh, the going on hiatus message which you probably don't want to miss it is terrifying that's all I will say. Okay. Did I read anything else? I don't know. I'm not you. We've been over this. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I've been reading? What have you been reading, Dave? very Irish for a moment there. I'm sorry. That was, that was a little bit... Mm. There, was a, there was a certain lyrical tone to my voice there. Which like, were you, were you terribly re- worried about your lucky charms? repressed brutally. Will you fuck off, you racist? No. You horrid little racist man. We could go and get some potatoes later. Oh, can we? Oh, goody, goody. Just follow him. There'll be a pot of gold as well. Yeah. That was pretty good. It's okay, do you want an Irish proverb? There's a Twitter account full of Irish proverbs. Go and have a look at them. Irish saying. I'm not cool. They're not Irish sayings, for one. They're not fucking sayings. They're just some bullshit someone wrapped up and packaged under the Irish cultural brand. You know, it's like my my granny always used to say. In times of crisis, some fuckwit will offer you some ultimately unhelpful but temptingly simplistic folk wisdom. Good old granny. It's all just leprechauns and, you know, restriction of women's reproductive rights with you all up, isn't it? I'm from the the other bit. Yeah, you still can't get an abortion there. In case people come over the border to have one. This is true. 
Sorry. This is true. It's not ideal, it's is not it? Great, is it? It's not great, is it? It's not great. It's a bit backwards. A it's kind bit. of embarrassing. Yeah. I don't live there anymore. That's good. It's not my fault. It's I not. I don't agree with any of that. You didn't choose it. No. Uh... It was cruel of me to say it, really. Well, it's, it's, but um, we're, not, we're not holding you accountable for the grotesque state of, state of reproductive rights in Ireland, we should point out. Thanks. Thanks. I did once, uh, I did once meet the man who used to dub Jerry Adams' voice when you weren't allowed to actually hear him in the Isn't 90s. Isn't that so weird? It's one, of, it's one of those things that you look back on from today. and I mean, there are things we'll have to explain to the next generation. It's like, they'll be looking at us and saying, well, yeah, like, sexting, what, like what trees are, and uh, that sort of thing. Why we allow prisons. But... But, you know, kind of... The Jerry Adams voice thing is just so surreal with hindsight. Mm. Yeah, it's fucking bizarre. But but you meant the dude who made a living out of it, you know? Yeah. Capitalism works. Yeah, he thought it was ridiculous as well, but... But he fucking took the paycheck and did the uh, stupid voice on the telly. The, the Jerry Adams penny is a good penny to take. I, oh, God, I love the brass eye thing about doing it with helium. That was fantastic. So, you there, the... Uh, Beard with the protruding flappy mouth that noise comes out of. You've been reading something, right? Rude. Why do you always do this? Why do you always do this? I'm not a nice man. I was going to say something nice and then he just said it first. Sorry. Well, why don't you say something nice then? I'll Dave, respond to that. What yes. have you been reading this week? I'd like to know out of interest for you as a human being and so that our listeners can, you know, partake. You got through that without laughing. I'm, I'm proud. I meant it. Sort of. Ah. Oh. Sorry, cunts everywhere. It's common yeah. problem on this podcast. To the left of me, to the right of me. Stuck in the middle with a laptop and a microphone and an right. iPad. And thankfully, some fucking wine. At least you got I some wine. I have been reading um, Batman 66, which... What is that? Um, I spoke about it briefly before, but it's... Um, basically, DC have the rights to the 1960s Adam West Batman show. Oh, back. yes. And so they've done a bunch of comics, which are the continuing adventures of Shit, 1960s Batman. Batman. Um, and they've just so they were all done digitally, and they were very cheap and a small number of pages at a time, and with some genuinely good sort of not quite animation, but transitions that made good use of digital. So overlaying things on the same panel and that sort of thing, which really worked. Um, and this is a big hardback collection of them, and it's beautiful it's really nicely put together but it actually loses something on the digital which is for the first yeah um it still looks great and if you hadn't read the digital ones it would probably be absolutely fine but it's for the first time a digital comic does actually beat the printed one which is cool yeah it's actually kind of cool but um Mm. so it's really varied there's a whole bunch of different artists in there um some of him are obviously going to be more to my taste than others. Um, Jonathan Case is kind of the... Seems to be the lead artist on it. Mm. And is absolutely far and away uh, my favourite. Um, it's just got the style exactly right. I mean, everyone draws Cesar Romero with a moustache under his makeup. No one no one makes anything a mistake that basic. But his stuff just has sort of slightly offset colouring where it doesn't all line up and... Um, and it's all very deliberate. It's not looking like old printing, but it looks like a sort of a very intelligent approximation of it that looks genuinely stylish. There's a lot of clever, uh, really cool looking stuff with half tones, and it all looks really, really nice. And there's a whole bunch of other people in there as well whose stuff I didn't like quite as much. Although Colin Coover's stuff was nice. Um, so I read that, and then I read a ton of. Westerns. Really? Yes. How sort did of. Come about? Um, well, pretty deadly finished. Oh, right. Um, or at least the first volume finished. And got to go back and uh, reread that from the start. And it it's something that I think will work better as trade than as individual issues. I'm looking forward to the trade. It's, um, each, each issue kind of has a different folktale in it, which is, of course, all entirely about the characters in it. And fills out the backstory but without having the folktale for each particular character it can seem kind of incoherent so reading individual issues there's a I'll be generous and call it an air of mystery um, you don't know what the fuck's going on um, 
It's it's very very hard to know what the fuck's going on, but it's also going to be this year's hot new cosplay. It really is, but tonally tonally it's brilliant, and just I, I had absolute faith the whole way through that it was going to resolve and and be good. Um, but it's just this sort of genuinely great amalgam of mythology, folklore, westerns, and quite a lot of anime. To be honest. Mm. Um, uh, basically Death's daughter is stalking the West uh, looking for revenge um, and it's, it's essentially a heavily supernatural female-led Western um, with a lot of gunfights and sword playing it's pretty awesome that is cool it is cool it's it's again it's a very very posed thing there's a lot of there's nothing organic about doing a female-led supernatural western. It's it's a very it's a very deliberate choice to make that. You don't make that by accident. Yeah, it's Kelly Sue DeConnick, isn't it? It is Kelly Sue DeConnick, yeah, and uh, uh, Emma Rios, Emma Rios Art, yes. who yes. is who fantastic, is very good. Yeah, who's coloring? Or is Rios? Jordi Belair is coloring. Jordi Belair is coloring. Why would you even ask? Of course, Jordi Belair's coloring it. It's a comic. Yes, um, but sometimes it's Matt Wilson. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, it's um, Emma Rios' stuff, if you haven't seen it, is very. It's in the same vein as Becky Cloon and stuff. Okay. Angular, pretty men with fringes. I like um, that. And lots of tall, willowy people, but it's there's a Do lot like more. Angular, pretty men with fringes. There's a lot more anime and manga in there. Um, I say anime deliberately because there's a lot of stuff where it's very obviously trying to emulate fast cut anime fight sequences mm-hmm. right. more so than the books there's no, there's there seems to be an attempt to emulate those and for the most part it works those um, annoy the balls out of me does it work better on the page it you need to be careful you need to read it slowly and deliberately um, if you're not patient with the artwork you might struggle but again it's something that I think everyone should should check out once the trade's out. The only problem there again is that you lose the back matter, and mm. there are little bits of story that are filled in in the back matter. But there's um, got to be. I I I'm okay with that. I I'm okay with there being a like from a, a weaselish marketing point of view. I'm okay with there being a value add. I suppose you'd have to call it to the singles. I'd rather there was a reason to get them other than just getting it first. Certainly. This is going to sound terrible, but I didn't realise that back matter and singles was a thing until I started reading them a couple of months ago. Like, I, I had not read singles before. Well, this is, this is a problem in the comics industry in general. Also, for a long time, it was kind of shit. Like, for ages, it was letters or weird things. And there aren't that many genuinely great examples, but when there are, they kick ass. Sometimes it's letters about finding porn in the woods. Mm. Sometimes. Um, but Sometimes it's the next wave theme song. There is the next wave theme song. There's also, I mean, there's also in this little bits of how the story is put together. So if you're interested in writing and creative process and how it gradually came together over time, there's that. There's also some fairly personal stuff from Kelly Sudeconic, and there's there's more information about certain characters that will help things make sense. Like the sort of there's characters who are actually existing mythological characters who you might not pick up on until the very end unless you've read the back matter. Cool. What other westerns have you been reading? Uh, East of West. Um, Why do I know about that? Uh, I haven't read it, but something... Mm. So East East of West is basically... um, It's a sort of alternative, possibly 20th, possibly 21st century, whereby... um, Various 20th century world leaders wrote wrote a wrote individually wrote a, a thing called the message, which is basically a prediction of the apocalypse. Um, and in this sort of completely barren, all Western future U.S., um, Death and his accomplices are looking for revenge on the other horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, or looking to find his uh, his son. So. There's some quite similar stuff in both of them. Both of them that are. sounds way weird. It's it's pretty weird. I mean, it's basically doing western, maybe. Oh yeah. Like we could do a, we could do a western. Can't we? we should. Um, we should. Uh, but it's it's basically like it's very very similar in tone to Pretty Deadly. Um, a little bit more coherent and a little bit it explains more. But it's um, you you could add a add a 
quick glance call it a sci-fi version of Pretty Deadly. There are broad similarities. Who's writing? Jonathan Hickman. Oh. So he's does it have time travel in it? Not so far. But um, Jonathan Hickman does things like Fantastic Four, Secret Warriors, um, the thing about the church. Red Wings. Pax Romana? Pax Romana. Oh no, actually I also read Lumberjanes, um, which is, uh, it's about a bunch of girls at camp fighting supernatural monsters. And I kind of wanted to like it a lot more than I did. Um, because it's, it's partly written by Noel Stevenson, who did Nimona, which I really enjoy. Um, but the artwork's just a bit too scratchy. Did it not remind you of your days as a, you know, girl at camp? I was a scout. Were you? Yeah. Really? How's that? Why is this surprising to anyone? You I don't, don't do much scouting. You're not very outdoorsy. I was going to say outdoorsy as well. I've been outside. You have when? to do it every day. I'll prove it. I'll prove it to you. I've been out. I've been outside. That you're um, pretty pasty. I'm feeling. I'm feeling pretty outdoorsy. Pretty no, just threatened. Oh. Probably threatened. <laughs> so, crime. It's a thing. Yeah, you thwarted one earlier. Maybe I don't think I thwarted it. I, I feel like I should have done something more than just tell a policeman ten minutes later in a slightly different part of town. But what might you have done? I don't know. I pulled over and got fucking robbed myself or uh, something. Oh, no. you're in the car. I was in the car. I was driving yeah. past the I scene. assumed you were walking past. No, driving. It was a big traffic light intersection. Mm. It was unclear what was going on. Other people were turning their heads. I told a policeman. I mean, I'm... It was you're fine. You're not Batman, I'm basically. not Batman. And I probably oh, I shouldn't to talk get about killed. Not, not your crime thing. Um, so we're going to talk about... Sorry, crime and no, no, no. And there's something that's been bugging me at the back of my head, and I think it's been bugging me because I've not read enough Batman. But... Uh, I mean, not reading enough Batman is... A problem in in itself. So DC, what, what's wrong with you? DC I mean, it's kind originally of, you know, life condition type thing. DC originally Detective Comics. Yeah. Um, a lot of comics have their roots steeped in kind of low end pulpy crime fiction. You know, Superman foils crime, all of that jazz. Yeah. And there's there's a a sort of escapist vigilante sort of fantasy thing going on, and it was a specific. You look at. Early details of the comics code as well, where I think you know, things like you, know, well, you, you couldn't play the portray the police in a negative light in various details. That there's some very kind of tawdry conservatism in early attitudes to crime in early comics, but a lot of American and well, you know, Western Western comics tradition stuff seems to come from a very cheap, very pulpy crime place, but just. Not very crime fictiony, not very intricate, not very interesting. It's it's kind of minimum viable premise, and something about that kind of bothers me on a level I don't really understand. So I think a lot of it is minimum viable. I don't want to use that phrase. It is taking the written pulps and doing a simpler version of it. So a lot of the comics at the time were doing simpler versions of existing sci-fi pulps. It's and quicker to churn out. And they also did war stories, and they did sci-fi. Yeah. Romance. So there was, there was the sort of crime stuff, like more moving into the 40s and 50s. Um, EC in particular published true crime stories and ridiculous, lurid crime stories that were always similar to the horror tales in that there was a sort of very obvious but gruesome moral marching towards the end of the story. Um, so those things, those things did exist, but as you say, the comics code kind of got rid of them because... You, you, get, you get later stuff as well. I've read, I've not, as I say, I've not read much Batman, but some of the bits I've read that I do remember, um, Long Halloween is a, is, a, is, a, is a detective story. Yeah. But it's kind of bobbins. Um, but it's fun. It is, but the mystery's kind of thin and it's bolted on the end. The rest of it's kind of a rogues gallery of dumb villains and it is fun. But, and then there's something like, um, oh, what's it called? I, you're going to slap me for this, but you look at Identity Crisis. I'm going to slap you. Continue. Which, which is shite, but... Why, Daddy? <laughs> you look at Identity Crisis, which is written um, by a crime novelist, Brad Meltzer. But Identity Crisis sets itself up as being a mystery story, as being a crime story in the mould of kind of old-school, crimey Batman. A lot, of it, a lot of it foregrounds Batman as being this great detective, and he basically does fuck all in it. Um, no one does anything very interesting in Identity Crisis, but... The, the, 
Where am I going with this? Well, DC Comics editorial does some really interesting stuff. Uh, no. Which is probably why they all got replaced. I guess it's kind of... Sorry, I'm, I'm, I've been sort of processing this a couple of levels above what actually happens in comics, but it's interesting that... I think it sort of says something interesting, maybe, maybe it fucking doesn't, who knows, about the human psyche, that we have made a weird, glamorous, very stylized fiction out of what is essentially people doing things that are wrong. And Yes, well, transgression is interesting. Transgression is interesting. There's also the thing of, you know, the law to its letter and to its name does not always necessarily represent what is morally right, mm. if there is any such, you know, absolutely, which I'm not entirely sure there is. But, but I mean, that's, that's kind of the soul of the, the cape. So you've got, there are many more categories of crime fiction this book, of the big ones, you have the who done it and the how done it, mm-hmm. and the who done it tends so to be every crime thing or Columbo. <laughs> well, the who done it tends to be a pursuit of justice, sort of a bit, some of the time, and the how done it. Sometimes tends... it's yeah, it's an interesting mechanism yeah. thing. Yeah. And the how done it often tends to follow the perpetrator. And well, one of the things I think is quite interesting about so a lot of the Parker comics are kind of they're not they're not how done it in the mystery sense but they do follow the perpetrator mm-hmm. but there's no attempt to glamorize parker he he has a you understand why he does what he does because within his own moral code he's been wronged and needs to write it it's a very old school thing but you're not expected to be morally on his side i think you're just expected to enjoy the train wreck true but i think there's something sort of there is some element of kind of and maybe that's just the comic sort of reimagining of it reimagining of it but there's the kind of you know there's something slightly glitzy, seedy, glamorous mm. about you know he hangs out with a bunch of prostitutes and goes to clubs and in, well, the, it, it's it's not I don't know in some ways it's not glamorized in other ways it kind of is because that's the whole world he's operating in the fact that he himself is a bastard doesn't really mm. change that for me and the, well, the glitzy version of that is the other side of the caper so something like um, cinematically Ocean's Eleven is kind of a an archetype for that but the, the caper heist. Where so Parker is kind of the grimy underbelly of that, where it's quite hard to morally sympathise with him. It's more like Rafifi or something like that, where you know it's not the it's not the jazzy film version. It's people plotting a, a heist and very very slowly yeah. methodically pulling it off. Or Lupin, or yeah, um, Thief of Thieves, which I didn't actually like, but is quite interesting. Is it's it's the shiny side of the how done it. It's not. It's how did they get away with it. And there's always something very, very laboured, or, you know, when, when they're being morally lazy, there's something very, by morally lazy I mean when they're trying to be vaguely moral as opposed to being interesting. Um, whew, dark place. Um, there's something very, very laboured about trying to authorise the moral rightness of the transgressors. So in, um, in Thief of Thieves he's fighting the bad guys because he's getting a son out of prison and the people he's stealing from aren't necessarily good people and he puts all the money back at the end or something. It's not totally clear how it works. But, you know, you get the sort of... A lot, in, a lot of um, in a lot of the caper sort of heist scenarios, it's lovable rogues stealing from other bad guys. So mm-hmm. it's kind of... It's okay. Robin Hood style, yeah, almost. And, or, or at least... Something riffing off that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the notion that some crimes are fun and okay because no one gets hurt, maybe apart from the few mm. people who did get hurt around the edges, is an interesting thing that's become a trope. Sex criminals mm? laughs at it and does it. Parker blithely ignores it in quite an mm. interesting way. Yes, I mean, in, in Parker you've got the, the caper heist, which then leads up to, you know, just horribly and barefacedly violent things happening to a lot of people with no kind mm. of humour or but, uh, explanation or moralising. No, no attempt to minimise it, for but example. In, in, volume, in volume two, you've got... It opens with acts of violence, and then he takes it out on the mob. Like, he, mm-hmm. he goes after the outfit, and that's your caper. That's your kind of fun, kind of... One bad guy versus worst bad guys, almost taking the piss. His crimes. But are even the... those are still horrible. I mean, they you are... know, people, people get fucking tied up and killed, traumatised well, during actually, those. They actually don't die. So he's, None? he's very he's very careful about so in the in the heist oh the asthma he, lady yeah, yeah. Oh, in in the heist where he's basically mocking the outfit he's teasing them essentially by taking their money that's kind of the, the kind of the midsection he's very meticulous about not getting caught about not doing anything terribly violent he's just taking money from the bad guys mm-hmm. so you've got this kind of section in the middle and then at the end they just kill a bunch of dudes it's it's oh. they do just kill a bunch of dudes I think actually it's interesting that they so from the beginning the way that Parker sets the tone you've got that sort of wordless opening sequence mm-hmm. and then he just sort of goes and kills his ex-girlfriend and yeah. it's 
it's it's good. It's probably a good thing that they don't set it up as a caper and then have it turn dark. Cause that would feel yeah. like a very unpleasant twist. Whereas, it's 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 nice that they're kind of open about what they're trying to do with it. Whereas, and then volume two is dark light dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the central section, which is the the sort of heist the gambling ring and so on, is it's partly the way it's that it's, it's it's the way that it's adapted, where the whole thing is a series of pages in a glossy light magazine essentially which is really I think we were talking about this earlier but just I love it as a way of adapting well the tone of the gambling theory. one yeah where it's kind of this is how this is done this is cool this is cool and the pages are gorgeous there's an information design angle with the, the way that kind of you've got little tiny zoomed in images pulled out to text and then at the end bam the door comes open and there they are with guns and you're suddenly back in the moment yeah mm-hmm. and it, right, it sort of talks about the heists as uh, big sort of lifestyle pieces. They sort of, um, and you know, there's this beautiful, glamorous event, and people turn up and they rob rob people and then dance the night away. And, and there's, um, there's but there's also the the allure of the con, the the kind of the thrill of it's a magic trick, right? So that it's the same the same fundamental. Well, some, you see a lot of characters trying to play into that and then realizing it's fucking up for them and then yeah. trying to get out of that situation. So it's kind of I feel like it deals with the magic trick yeah. aspect. The intellectual the pleasure of being fooled is there, but then you also, in a way, you don't with magic tricks. You get the the payback. Yeah. Yes, magic tricks rarely have a moral element. And in this case, it's just people getting shot in a field for being dicks. So I think Parker's kind of that sort of 50s, 60s, slightly more. Uh, slightly darker, um, like morally darker pulp, because the earlier stuff was very much, you know, guns and dames, and that's where Black Sad is. Although with Black Sad, Black Sad's been, I think, reasonably cautious about filing off the rough edges of the genre. It still does a lot of it, but. There's almost a sort of awareness and attempt to say sorry for being part of that genre and repeating the same tropes. We talked about how beautiful it was, didn't we? Yeah. That's just all I can That's think of right now. I'm trying to, trying to make a point about the narrative. I'm just like, oh my god, it's so pretty. It's one of those things that... So basically, if, if there were two crime books that everyone should read, for me that would be Parker and Black Sad in terms of comics right now. And Black Sad, just, it just sort of does it. It's, it, just, it lays out some fairly standard heavily noir influenced or actually noir crime narratives it's just a really good one of those the sad, the sad truth about it is that did I, sorry did that, I, I did that, say Black Sand, didn't I yeah that writing without that artwork would be kind of nothing yeah there's, there's not enough it does the, the job it, it carries the artwork along it's, it, it's perfectly it carries the story fine. it's perfectly fine they're reasonably clever they're, they are reasonably good um, mm. crime stories but they are not remarkable in the same way that the artwork is. No, that's very true. Heck, it's... And it's the artwork that makes the whole thing work and makes you feel... I mean, I feel like I feel more charitably disposed to the writing than perhaps I would if the art were different. It's actually quite similar to Britain and Brulele. So, some of the... the so, tonally, but it, but less... In, in less terms surreal. of writing, less interesting. Um, so, the, the plotting in Britain and Brulele is a fairly standard uh, noir piece superficially with some very weird trappings that then becomes kind of weirder. Uh, it's very... It sort of starts out odd and very clearly sets out as not not our world. But you know, um, I, I knew I was going to love Britain Brulot and, and I knew that Hannah Berry was a writer that I was going to just really enjoy on the first page of Britain Brulot when Britain says as it did every morning, with spiteful inevitability, turned the page, the sun rose. Mm. Actually, just, is the page turned before that? Anyway, it's, 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 it's all of that similar structure. It's got a phenomenal cadence. Um, and it's so deliciously sort of hyperbolically resentful, I guess, downbeat. Lovely. I, I, I love the opening of Britain and Brulee. And then you get the odd stuff, like the guy's partner is a talking teabag that he keeps in his shirt pocket that's an inveterate ledge. It's, um... Or, he, or maybe he's imagining it. It's totally not clear. Yeah, no. It's, it's all, I, I read it that he was. Um, but it's a very... It's a very interesting take on the downbeat detective. Mm. 
um, because he's not. Well, he know, genuinely wishes he were dead. Yeah, he's he's probably suicidal. He's not an alcoholic. He just really does not like his life or his lot in life, and he feels that he has a sort of. He's broken himself. Almost, he's just seen and created too much misery. Yeah, he sort of feels like he's got this almost sort of mythologically created position in this world, which is to destroy people's happiness by providing them answers to the questions they shouldn't be asking. Mm. Um, God damn, I need to read this. Which is a. Uh, it's so good. And and it plays out in that framework, and it's a it's a good, clever, interesting take on. Um, on the genre, which is, I mean, more like noir and pulp crime, more than almost any other genre, is a series of repeating tropes. Um, and it is probably, of, of the, the books we've talked about, it's the least straight up it's take these, on those tropes yeah. while still playing with them. These wonderful little things that jolt you around, like um, rather than drinking in after hours bars or sort of Edward Hopper esque coffee houses, uh, they go to crumble joints. <laughs> They go and have dessert. They they go and eat crumble. It's it's just it's just. God, I love crumble. It's just bizarre. Crumble's good. Isn't it? I always do this way. podcast hungry. I don't know why. I should don't. I should bring snacks. You should bring snacks that don't sound that, that don't make loud noises. Don't be really soft marshmallows. Yeah. Marshmallows would be good. I had a handful of haberdashery dust before I came out. You fortified yourself. I did with salt and beans. It's good. It's good. Mm. Sorry, I've taken us off topic. No, no. no. I thought, I thought you had read Britain Red Lightning. No, no, no. I've read um, Adam Dean. Mm. Which is... Very different. Crime There are related. crimes. Cr- crimes are. have been done. I think it's more of a straight-up horror piece. Yes. It is. So, it's, it's, yeah. it's scary. So, I mean, it's a bit scary on that one. What else, in terms of recent stuff, is good? Because there's still quite a lot of crime stuff out there, particularly... Well, there's like, like, so much of the fundamental premise of... Any kind of comics, particularly superhero comics, is, is kind of crimey. It sort of is, but it's it's not really what I think of when I think no. of. I think uh, there are superhero comics first and foremost. What about Moon Knight? Uh, have you been keeping up with it? I have. There's only two issues at the moment. Okay. The second one's very different. Okay. Uh, the first one is sort of a detective procedural, and there are other detective procedurals in sort of superhero comics. There's Powers, obviously, which is yes, um, is which is. Less, less in the sort of pulp and noir tradition, mm. and more in the TV police procedural, which is mm. sort top of, ten, which is basically the bill with superpowers and jokes. Yeah. Um, Do you know what's good? NCIS. NCIS. I don't know. If it's not a comic. Of that. I can't think of what, what is NCIS. It's a bullshit American um, police procedural. They're Navy oh, right. cops. Hmm. Navy cops. And one of them, one of them is the world's oldest goth. Yes. Oh, she's great. Uh, Apparently, when they sort of formulated the character, they put a bunch of like fake tattoos on her, which turned out to be incredibly uncomfortable to work in. But they put them on places like her neck, where they couldn't really wreck on her not having a tattoo. After the actress was just like, "Fuck this shit." Oh dear. Yeah. There's, there's Gotham Central, which is um, a good procedural as well. Is it um, precinct it's, based? Or? Yeah. Oh, I like a good precinct. Oh, so and it's a, and you it's a, like top ten. And it's an old okay. rundown precinct as Ooh. well in central Gotham. Where, you know, everyone's sad because Batman does everything and they have to just deal with petty Paperwork. crime. Paperwork. Okay, yeah. that's kind of cool. That sounds yeah. great. So but it's all, it's all, it's really character driven. It wouldn't really work otherwise, mm. but it's, it is great. Top ten is, um, have you read any of it? No, not at all. I hadn't heard of it until you said it just then. It's good, non-crazy, non-racist Alan Moore. Um, okay. It's, it's him doing his, his thing with wanking around the superheroes. So you've got a city connected to other similar cities across the multiverse where they've just put all the superheroes because the rest of the world doesn't want them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the police force that has to deal with a city full of superheroes. <laughs> and okay, that sounds like a premise I didn't They're know. all weird misfits and dysfunctional. They're, they're just they're beat cops that happen to have super superpowers. Uh, and there's, there's a bunch of things going on, so there's a bit of ambient pre- uh, prejudice against androids, and they've got a new android sort of on the force and things like that. A new android on the force, eh? Yeah. Oof. Um, and you've got, you've got two volumes of Top Ten. Is it two and then the 49ers? There's two, there's two volumes of the original, and then there's 49ers, which is probably the best one. Yeah, which is... so the 49ers is how the city got founded. And so the do I... San Francisco or completely mm, unrelated? Don't think so. Uh, no, it's sort of based around... Uh, I think it might be... Set. San Francisco, but I can't remember. It's basically... It was, it was the 49ers. Yeah. Um, so the city, the city was founded in 1949 after the 
the clear up of the Second World War, where they got okay. the alternate paths where the superheroes got involved in the Second mm-hmm. World War, and they shunted them all to this city. Um, and it's it, they're all kind of it's them all sort of arriving and some of the problems. Um, so you've got the vampire mob mm. and the android ghetto, and oh. it's just it's it's delightful. But the art is it Gene Ha? Gene Ha, it's fully beautiful, painted. painty, gorgeous artwork. Can one of you lend it to me? I don't have it. I, I borrowed it from Giles. I don't have it either. This is one of those things I remember fondly, but it's one of those red at lunchtime in borders. There's, That's a, fine. there's an Absolute out. Edition that Amazon has. How big are the Absolute Editions? Yeah, no, that's like, problematic. You can use them I don't want to read any book that's the size of my torso. No, it's just not ergonomic for one. <laughs> but um, um, So Amazon was doing the Absolute Top 10 at like 40 quid down from 70-something? Yeah, I haven't got that kind and of money spent on beautiful. anything, not comics. No, that's I... for the first three volumes in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah well, it's There was the other one which was not written by Alan Moore as oh, well. Yeah, God, there was the continuation. Um, but I don't remember, but it was nowhere near as good. But again, it, it's sort of the first. The first one has a quite intricate crime plot. It's I, I won't spoil it above and beyond saying that they're busting a crime syndicate of some kind, mm-hmm. and obviously it's not necessarily what it looks like. And it's sure. kind of a fake out plot. Ooh. So you've got the kind of there's there's two plot strands, and you can't really tell what's going on. But the one that looks like the minor one becomes the major one, which I guess is a spoiler. But yeah. you know, that, that's a, it's a fairly standard trope. I won't remember this. Let's be honest. Um, and some wonderful surprises from different places. Okay, we're recording it. So I've kind of waffled around this and not really made any sense, but it seems, and this is probably an accident of what I've read, that a lot of the interesting crime comics I've seen have been how done it or why done it or watch the, or, or have had the protagonists, they've had a caper vibe. Um, I haven't encountered that much good whodunit comics, that much kind of deduction mystery solving. Why tell? White out's a good one. Um, Greg Rucker does a reasonable amount of um, whodunit style writing. So White Out was sort of his first comic and is basically who committed a series of murders on um, in Alaska, not not in Alaska, sorry, in Antarctica, Mm. um, across a series of army bases. Um, between various different international forces who are all protecting oil interests and mineral interests and that sort of thing. Mm. All the important stuff that our military should be doing down there. Well, it's like ten of them. Mm. Um, But he's he's done similar stuff as well. He's got an on-off series called Stumptown, which is about Mm. a sort of hard-as-nails lady private investigator in Portland, and it's quite odd, but again, it's, it's whodunit. Um, and it and tends so is, to be. So is Song of Sin City. Song of Sin City is yeah. I I struggle with Sin City because. Your I initially thought that Sin City was very, uh, very very broad pastiche, sort of Dashiell Hammett style, macho crime writing. Um, as it became more and more clear that a lot of how Frank Miller's crazy bag full of ferrets brain works is that he thinks that's that's how the world is. That you know, four hundred pound, yeah, four hundred pound men uh, wander around defending poor innocent prostitutes who will die anyway. We're talking four hundred pounds of muscle here. Yeah, yeah absolutely. KFC. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, think, I think you can read you can read the early ones as pastiche. You can, but it's harder knowing. What happens later? Yeah, the things that Frank Miller says and does. Um, so separate the art from the artist and all that. Um, mm. It should be it should be okay to read those, but I. Oh, but sometimes just, it does bubble through. Yeah, I just I, I find it very hard to read those in the spirit that I used to. Um, I still think the artwork's great. Mm. When Frank Miller's good, he's good. But it's worth bearing in mind that he's been bug nut crazy for 15 years. Mm. Let's bear that in mind. I mean, to, my, to the best of my knowledge, he's the, only, um, he's the only comic book artist involved in a lawsuit with a, with a former assistant for leaving fecal matter on her keyboard. He what? pooped on the desk. He or his girlfriend did. Was it definitely human? Did they do so, tests? Apparently, they, they they just bullied this woman like crazy. 
Um, Why would you do that? Makes me feel a lot better about my job. I'm going to include the, the Frank Miller uh, cartoon in the show notes. The way, the way that I mean, we once had a job where there was piss running down the walls and a bucket of piss on my desk, but it seems better than being shit on by Frank Miller. Yeah, long story short, I, I used to like Frank Miller, now I don't. Because mm. he pooped on a desk. Because he pooped on a, on, a, on a desk, or some poop was left. Mm-hmm. I'm not... Yeah, Moved. Some poop, some poop ended up on a desk, and he may or may not have been involved. On a, on a keyboard. I mean, it's gonna, so. on the one hand, it's going to be easier to not poop on the keyboard. On the other hand, you then have to transfer your poop to the keyboard from somewhere else. It's like, it depends how much you like handle of poop, basically. Well, you could use, you could, like, squat and use a trowel. Or what one of those trowel, specifically? I don't know, it just popped into my head. a fork. What's your favourite crime? What is my favourite crime? That's a really hard one. Can we ask Roger first? Can I have some thinking time? Sure. Roger, what's your favourite crime? Like actual crimey crime, crime, crime. Yeah. To do. What's your favourite crime to do? Um, I haven't done a crime for a very long time. Uh... Oh, it's my favourite crime to do, not just my favourite crime conceptually. Probably underage drinking, because it's so much fun and so basically harmless. Tontines. Tontines? Yeah. What? They're illegal. Are they? What? Yeah. Really? Tontines. What are you talking about? The death pacts, where the last man standing gets all the cash. Have you been watching Archer? No. <laughs> but I th- sorry, I, th- I thought it didn't have to be a death. I thought just, like, last person involved, or... I th- I surely... the, the death-based ones in particular are illegal, and I think Tontines in general, uh, however broadly defined, have been mostly illegal in most jurisdictions since at least the mid-20th century. I did not know that. Is this a crime you're involved in now? It might be, but I'm not at liberty to say. They are. Okay. They would definitely, I do do a lot of crimes. They would definitely be fun to write about. You can get there's good narrative meat on them bones. The Simpsons already did it basically as well as anyone's going to do it. So Simpsons oh. did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If The Simpsons has done it, so I'm is not going to fucking go. Um, Grandpa Simpson. Yeah, Hellfish. Hellfish. Thank you, Hellfish Bonanza. Mm-hmm. Dave, what's your favourite crime? Uh, You're pondering. I can hear the the ponder in your pondering voice. It. Yeah. What was your question? I mean, you just sort of I know it was my question, but I didn't, I didn't think you'd throw it back in my face. So that would be rude. You always say we're rude when we don't ask you what comics you've read, and it would be rude not that's to ask a, you That's a completely different question. In fiction, like, <laughs> in fiction, probably heists, I mean, they are the most fun. That's true. I do like, I do like a good heist. I do like, I do. Particularly if oh, it's a there's villainous con- there's confidence tricks. Oh. Confidence tricks are brilliant. Con men. I do like the long con. How do you feel about pyramid schemes? Not so good. There's no, there's no joy there. True. It's a series of PowerPoint presentations. Our model is the trapezoid. This has gone horribly wrong. It really has. Ladies and gentlemen, good night.